In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Uh, I got nothing. Oh, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, it, wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's, that's kind of rude. No, 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 I'm rude. Welcome back, fans of history and of bros. That's because we are the History Bros. Uh, history Bros bod- podcast. Back with you here uh, on another lovely morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever you're choosing to listen to. Uh, glad to have you. Brian Geldmacher, Jason Hatfield, and myself, Jason Rood. How are you three doing? Well, you two do it. I guess I make the third one, don't I? You do. Yes. I'm great. Well, the last how are you? I tried to say something about how are we doing, then I got schooled by Geldmacher. So I usually just be, I'm very literal when I'm conversing with people now. So, <laughs> well, good deal. Uh, you know, last week we, uh, we touched on the 9 11. By touched on that, I mean we talked for like an almost two hours on it. Um, <laughs> how'd, uh, how'd, the, how'd the lessons go for you guys last week? Okay. Uh, uh, Geldmacher usually go first, so I was, okay. I was giving you. No, that's lead. fair. I was actually deferring, but it's fine. Thank you. Um, no, I it uh, <laughs> it went really well. I took it kind of in a weird place, and uh, it, it actually Uh-oh. tended to work out. No, no, no. Um, so while we were in uh, while we were in France, uh, we we met um, members of the Emerald Society, and that is the New York City Police Department's um, Pipe and Drum Corps all retired police officers and uh we met this guy named jake uh he's actually an author he's a retired detective he's a bagpipe player um and we hung out with him not hung out like uh but just met him and we discussed things and you know he learned about my kids and and learned that my oldest wants to be a police officer and so we kind of had a struck up a conversation and in the midst of this conversation my wife snaps this random candid picture of of jake uh as he was telling his 9-11 story. Um, you know, it totally didn't work out on purpose that way. It just it just happened. So I, I pulled up, um, my wife wrote a very beautiful uh, post about 9-11 uh, on Wednesday and included that picture. So I pulled it up in the classroom. Yeah, I pulled up Facebook in the classroom um, and just, and just uh, read the caption to them, um, you know, about how he... Uh, had just finished a 12 hour shift. He was driving back home. He got a call from uh, his someone. And then he turned immediately turned back around and worked for the next three days straight um, mm. doing whatever he could. Uh, and the picture um, as as candid as it is. He, I mean, you could, his face is just uh, there's so much emotion in his face as he's telling the story of his cousin and how he lost his cousin in, in, in one of the buildings and they never found him. Um, to, and for me, and I told my told the kids, uh, as we do this year after year, it gets more difficult to talk about it because it's not a thing that these, you know, the kids nowadays connect to because they weren't born. They don't have that immediate, I was alive. So therefore it affected me. Um, so it was a, it was a way for me to kind of connect it on a, on a human level instead mm-hmm. of just showing, you know, the videos and whatnot. I thought it worked out really, really well. Totally unintentional, um, but that's kind of how it worked. Excellent. I thought it was good. Nice. Yeah, it was great. <clears throat> yeah, that's um, that's awesome. I wish I would have found that that picture earlier. Otherwise, I would have been pulling Facebook up in my classroom and using uh, <laughs> your. I seriously, your guys' story, <laughs> because that's outstanding. Um, 
I, I've traveled a lot. I've gone and met a lot of people, but I have yet to find somebody uh, and get their story from them uh, who yeah. was in Washington, excuse me, New York City, or for that matter. Well, I've never asked my Washington, D.C. people. It's just been too, it's not been the right time, but I haven't found a New York person because I, I want that that story. Oh, sure. sure. Um, I did what I normally do. Uh, I used my 20 minutes of... Um, news clips to, to lead into it. Obviously, the kids sure. know what's going on. They start asking their questions, and we pull back into the context of usually, uh, well, why didn't they do this? I said, well, because they didn't have, we didn't have that information as it was occurring. I said, look at the, the, the 20 or two and a half hours worth of video of, of uh, news clips that we watched there. I said, we go from this is an accident to having a lot of information all of a sudden, or a lot more than they started with. I said, you know, understand that you don't have all the information when it goes down. Oh, okay. You know, and then we, we, I, you know, wherever right. they wanted to go, I went with it. Um, but one of the cool things that ended up happening that actually it turned out not to be a 9-11 thing at all. Um, but uh, I had a, <laughs> our, our, uh, one, of, one of the staff members uh, in, the, in the school there in our, our TLC, which is our, our learning coaches, our teaching, or, mm-hmm. yeah, teacher coaches, there you go, instructional coaches, approached me and said, hey, uh, we need somebody. We're looking for a firefighter to come in to the second grade classroom and do stuff. Uh, you know, we're, we've got a name, but can you kind of be backup in case we can't get them? I said, yeah, I can do that. You know, here, call this person. Well, it turned out they needed back the, the backup. So I, w- I got to go into a second grade classroom in full uniform on air, like with an air tank and everything, and, <laughs> and teach about the fire service and all that stuff. And nothing came up about 9-11, but I had a second grader ask me this. And it, it hit me hard because I, I agree, Brian. It's it's for me. It's more emotional to teach about nine eleven now than it was when I was younger. Um, mm. But uh, I, the, the second grader says, "Do do firefighters die in fires?" And it's like, "Oh, that's Crap. holy cow!" And <laughs> I think I handled it well. And I said, "You know, we we train really hard to make sure that stuff doesn't happen." And you know, but it what we do is 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 dangerous. And you know, so you know. Sometimes things happen that you can't predict, and it can happen, but luckily not very often, that kind of stuff. And it's just like, wow, wasn't expecting that one. Right, right. Mm. But, yeah, it went well, though. I mean, that went well, and, and the day with the students talking about the events went well. Cool. Nice. Good. Nice. Um, uh, for me, uh, we are still in uh, the curriculum for um, eighth grade here. We're still doing sort of pre-Columbian and uh, I did want to take an opportunity to uh, to honor the situation, you know, let people know, OK, it's September 11th. I, I didn't use the entire class period because I feel like until they understand all the background information, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to understand sort of the terrorist motives and, you know, that sure. kind of stuff. And there's a lot of other things. So uh, CNN 10 had a really good kind of um anniversary or you know anniversary yeah. of it yeah, and so we watched about watched it and you know i talked about the experiences and just you know the um how you know just there's no words to describe that sort of fear and vulnerability right. and um then uh you know add well first i started off with asking them what they knew about it and again they knew sure. the, the the two towers um some of them uh frequently they a lot of them would forget the pennsylvania one right um 
And then there were a couple classes that, you know, didn't need, that had forgotten about even the Pentagon one as well. And so it was just kind of like, you know, sort of setting the stage and kind of what was going on. But again, I, I didn't uh, later on in the year, we'll talk about it when we get to that point, because then we'll have, you know, gotten the background information and uh, a bunch of that kind of stuff. So that when we get there, hopefully it'll have a little bit more meaning. And I have a um, um, a uh, documentary of uh, I guess it's PBS that's about uh, that talks about the Taliban that um we'll probably um i'll probably show them and do some stuff as well but um for the for the most part it's um i, I didn't want to kind of drill it into their head you know i so i gave them some information and we we honored them and we talked about it and then um we moved on to what was in the curriculum but this is something i'm obviously going to circle back to later in the year. sure sure that's cool awesome but, um all right yeah well good well, exactly. Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> so, um, uh, should we uh, start with uh, this week's episode? Well, we, we kind of did a little this week in history. We should probably get some uh, old this week in history, so to speak. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who wants to, to um, lead off with a good one? I'll start with this one. This, okay. I, sure. I added this one. So, uh, 1848, uh, Phineas Gage is working on a Vermont railroad when a three-foot, seven-inch iron tamping rod is driven straight through his head with explosive force. The resulting injury, which Gage will survive for another 12 years, changes both his personality and doctors' opinions in the field of neurology. Interesting. A three-foot, seven-inch iron tamping? Three-foot, seven-inch iron tamping rod, yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. That, that's going <laughs> to leave a I mean, do you use ibuprofen for that, or is that like just an aspirin kind of thing? No, you ultimately- I think it's just uh, looking to leave once a day. No, no, no. leave. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, <laughs> guys. You, you gotta just alternate heat and and, and cool. Oh, okay. Ice and cold. <laughs> tiger bomb to use tiger. I don't know for Ty- that. Tiger but bomb. you know, it's funny. I was going. I was looking through uh, some of my Google Doc stuff, and there was a story about someone in Pennsylvania who was working in the basement of a house. He was a contractor and he was, uh, he accidentally, and I've got the, I've got the article. I had to photocopy it because I didn't think anyone would ever believe me, but uh, I want to say this was Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, perhaps. Could be. Um, and a guy was working in the basement of a house and he accidentally cuts off his own hand. Oh, that's with a circular saw. And oh, I, I guess he, he didn't have a cell phone or something because this was sort of in that sort of changeover where cell phones weren't exactly commonplace yet. Uh-huh. And um, so he decides to I, I guess he's in too much pain. I, I don't know what the rest of the circumstances are. But what I do know is that apparently he's in so much pain, he decides to try and take his own life by shooting oh. himself in the head with a nail gun. <laughs> Problem is. <laughs> Problem is, is that it only has little roofing nails in it. Oh, God. so this is true. This is an absolute true story. I shouldn't be laughing um, at this. Oh, my. They take they take them to the hospital where the doctors remove at least a dozen nails <laughs> from his scalp. Now, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, you shoot yourself once or twice or whatever like that, but you get to a dozen. I mean, that's like. That that's next. I level. mean, that's that. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's that's, up, man. I mean, that's. I mean, wow. I don't. That's yeah. So anyway, the the whole um, three foot seven. It's not a roofing nail, obviously, no. but uh, no. that just kind of that just kind of jumped out at me. So 
Wow. Yeah, this is, mm. um, I don't know where I first heard the story of Phineas Gage, um, but I, I know that I've heard it before. Um, and it, it, it really was one of those stories that uh, kind of changed the way doctors see the whole uh, brain injury and how it affects humans. And uh-huh. so it's actually, it's actually a pretty famous story because uh, I know I've, I've heard it at least a few times before. Sure. Um, I had heard that it was uh, something dealing with aliens or um, ancient uh, it probably was. It probably <laughs> ancient, was. ancient aliens. Oh, <laughs> man. Did... Uh, okay. So anyway, exactly. um, <laughs> September 15th, 1776, uh, on this day, uh, the British occupied Manhattan. And mm-hmm. yeah, something that is uh, that is well documented in the uh, Joseph Plum Martin um autobiography wow. of his uh, uh escapades during the revolutionary war is that why broadway sprang up was it had the british have anything to do with that or is that just because americans like to you know yeah broadway are actually are you referencing a national treasure is that what you're referencing no i actually was referencing <laughs> theater and doing a really terrible job at it oh i got you i got you well you you don't think the british do good theater is that what you're saying I, Ooh, I guess I don't wow. know. I'm going to defer to the to the theater expert. I, I mean, tell you that uh, all you need to do is watch Monty Python, and you'll you'll have your answer. That's true. I mean, you know, it's the land of Shakespeare. I mean, what right. do you uh, you know? Uh, those are shots fired, buddy. I'd be careful. <laughs> well, <laughs> I could quote the St. Crispin's Day speech now, so I'll someone work. needs to backpedal just a little bit. <laughs> Let me go ahead and just apologize to our, all of our English listeners. <laughs> we want to say we're sorry. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I was, so, sadly, I wasn't. So moving, moving along from that travesty. <laughs> exactly. On um, September 14th of 1812, Napoleon oh. Bonaparte's invasion of Russia reaches its climax as his grand army enters Moscow, only to find the enemy capital deserted and burning, set afire by the few Russians who remain. Well, that's not oh, good. Well, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of like, yeah, well, uh, you know, I will, you know, burn this village in order to save it, even though it's it's uh, it's 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 Russian. Is that how village? I mean, it's not. What am I saying? Russian Russians had villages. What am I talking about? Never mind. Okay. well, (laughs) on September. Do you want to take the next one? I do. Oh, oh, guys, I have good news. Oh, oh, I just remembered Uh that my mom's birthday is on the 16th. So, like, I actually will remember. Yeah, I, can you believe no, you won't. I remember? You know right. you won't. I won't. But I remember the date, so I know she's going to listen to this. So, mom, happy birthday! Uh, so there you there, go. I, I was just going to recommend that. I, I took care of it. Uh, yes, because yeah. I'm notorious for lo- remembering these things or something. You mean yeah? Oh yeah, absolutely do. Yeah, I will. I will swear in court that you have never had a problem with this whatsoever, and nope. then I will be thrown in jail for perjury. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> so on September 15th of 1858, which is pretty close to what we just, oh, never mind. Uh, the Butterfield Overland Mail Company begins delivering mail from St. Louis to San Francisco. The, comp- the company's motto is, remember, boys, nothing on God's earth must stop the United States mail. So. Are that's you that's from- exactly where uh, the inspiration for The Postman came. Uh, it's a very famous Kevin Costner flop of a movie. Uh, that <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Um, right, not they the didn't water one. It's in there, one. did they? <laughs> I, I don't know. They might have. Did you watch it? 
Wait, what? I'm actually, I, yeah, I've actually seen that movie. Um, what the Postman? The Postman? Tom, Petty, Tom Petty, uh, God rest his soul, makes a cameo in that one. That's he's actually a. Uh, Really? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, oh yeah, I've seen it once. Poor I mean, Tom. Poor Tom. Just, just as many times as I've seen Waterworld, I think. So, whatever. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I was too young to know how bad it was. Just, just talking about Waterworld, I actually just invented the term "wouch." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's uh, wow and ouch same time. You know, you so, are, yeah, hey, anyway. Brian, you are the master of the English language here. And so if you oh, come, not, no. not Brian, you're Jason, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. What? I, I don't know what's going I'm on. I'm stopping right now. Okay, you guys got the next few I minutes. I'm an adult. <laughs> I tell you what, since uh, since uh, Geldmacher is our, uh, our sports enthusiast, I'll let him take the one after this one. Sure. But on uh, September 15th, 1916, armored tanks are introduced by the British during the Battle of the Somme. Those bloody British again. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Apparently sitting around in armored vehicles doing bad theater. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not my word. I heard from it somewhere. I heard it on a podcast somewhere. But... um, be that as it may, yeah, so verily. I'm I'm tr- actively trying to pull my foot out of my mouth right now, so. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, anybody got a shoehorn? All right, uh, uh, Geldmacher, you want to? On this day in 1978, uh, Muhammad Ali defeats St. Louis and Leon Spinks at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans to win the World Heavyweight Boxing title. For the third time in his career, he is the first ever fighter to do so. Yeah. There you go. All right. It's not sports ball, but um, it's not sport ball. It's uh, it's pugilism. You know, that's right. Well, you know, since we're talking about history, um, there's this neat little game that started up uh, kind of floating around Facebook, and it's called the uh, Florida Man Challenge. Now, I'm assuming both of you have access Mm -hmm. to computers at this particular moment. So how you do this is you pull up a Google page and then you write the month and day of your birthday Plus, mm-hmm. you go month, day, Florida man, and then you hit enter, and it's basically whatever the first news article is that oh, pops boy. up. And okay. um, so go to Google. Okay. Google, yeah. And, so um, start, start again. I apologize. Okay, so then you do a Google search. You do yeah. your birth month, and then your day, mm-hmm. and then Florida man, and then Good, it's basically uh, the first thing that pops up. Man. It's It's got to be the same for everybody. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It isn't. I mean, why would oh we all have the same gosh. birthday? This is not real. No. <laughs> no. Okay, so I'll start. Oh, no. Mine, is... um, apparently, seriously, there's apparently some sort of, it, it, it does not paint Florida in a very positive light, but it is entertaining. Oh, so, um, my gosh. Mine comes from WWMT in Michigan. That on June uh, 2nd, 2018, a Florida man gets bushwhacked and struck with the can of beans by a local deputy. <laughs> wow. By a deputy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was apparently a man that was terrorizing people in what looked like a grocery store or a thrift mart of some kind. And you see the deputy on the uh, closed circuit cameras tossing cans of beans at the man's head not tossing i mean oh, he's he's tossing it gosh. but in a very aggressive manner 
<laughs> so uh, let's oh, let's uh, let's let's go around the table and see what other people have. My, I will go next, yeah. and I will tell you that the first thing that pops up for me is actually a story from the St. Louis Fox affiliate, which is strange. Oh, nice! It is. It is. Uh, Florida man, eighty-eight, birds a raccoon after eating mangoes. <laughs> An 88-year-old Florida man in Palm Bay, Florida, was arrested after police said he burned trapped raccoon off the animal had eaten his mangoes. Oh, my God. He, he burned a trapped r- raccoon for eating yeah. his mangoes. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, well, it's a trash panda. That's oh good. I mean, my goodness. It's a, it is a trash. It is your wife, uh, Jason <laughs> Rude, apparently. <laughs> so that's where she was. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get punched for that one, but I can. For those it. of you who have not listened to any of our other podcasts, oh, yeah, we just, is, uh, I am not personally insulting Rude's wife. This no. is something. <laughs> This is backstory, so please feel free to catch up. Go ahead and pause this episode right now and catch up with us, and then we then you'll laugh along with us. I believe um, that's in the Jamestown episode, is it not? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was in the Jamestown one. So the very first one. So there you go. Rude, what you got, buddy? That is uh, <laughs> this is uh, so me. KTRE9, <laughs> East Texas. Mm-hmm. Thong-wearing Florida man arrested while building shed with garbage on stranger's property. Uh, he's building, building a, garbage a shed. shed. Wearing a thong. Wait, he's building a shed with garbage? Yes, while wearing a thong. <laughs> <laughs> the sight of a man wearing, wearing a thong was all a Florida homeowner needed to call the Martin County Sheriff's Office last month. Officers arrested 31-year-old George somebody on March 12th, and arrest report reviewed by T.C. Palm said that the homeowner saw him building a shed and throwing chairs. The trespasser was wearing a swimsuit and then a thong, the reporter (laughs) stated. Wait, wait. It was a swim. He changed at some point, or was it the same swimsuit? I don't know if it was like he had a thong underneath the swimsuit. Like if he wears a banana hammock to make sure that everything stays there in his swimsuit. I don't know. That's wow. Wowzers. Wowzers. Okay. There you go. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Responding deputies said they found a man on the property who was not wearing a shirt or shorts, and he was covered with sand as if he'd just been to the beach. The man was arrested but refused to identify himself. At the county jail, authorities used fingerprints to confirm him as the suspect. He stated he was an artist that makes things from garbage, the arrest report read. He faces charges of giving a false name and obstruction without violence. Nothing for wearing thongs in public. Hmm... Yeah. Uh, there's I there's so much. There's really so much to say about that. <laughs> there's a lot of unpacking um, there. A lot of unpacking. There's a lot of unpacking. Yeah, yeah. They leave. <laughs> so anyway, so that is the Florida man challenge. There was another That's one awesome. uh, that I had that um was uh decidedly more blue that I decided <laughs> to actually steer away from and Use a deputy slinging beans at a, a potential um, suspect. So yeah, so we went with that one. So there's um, a, um, 
there's a radio show here in St. Louis that used to do something like this. Um, she would read a story without divulging where it was from, and then uh, people would have to guess whether it happened in Florida or Germany, because apparently Germany <laughs> is like <laughs> is like the European Florida. <laughs> <laughs> So, the game was called uh, Germany or Florida. <laughs> well, that's 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 um that's I don't I got I I I honest I don't have any words I really don't. No, Germany is the Florida of Europe. That is outstanding. Uh, apologies to all Germans that uh, happen to be listening. To this hey, I'm 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 half change. German, and uh, I'm the one who relayed that story, so I think it's okay. <laughs> Well, it's, so you can say, well, yeah, my um, my uh, father's mother's parents were German, so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not totally offended, but you know, so we can say that, we can say that, sure, right, because but, um, we've uh, exactly been uh, outstanding to the Germans with apparently the Duschen stuff going on, so <laughs> you can't say that, rude. You're what Dutch or you what Swedish? What do you got going on? I'm Norwegian and a little bit German. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean mm. to step on your toesin. <laughs> Who's backtracking now? My brother. My brother's fluent in German, and he would probably be going, "What are you talking? What are you? Why? Why are you doing this?" Just stop. Just stop. So anyway, moving along. Exactly. Um, you know. Uh, so my wife, um, uh, a couple, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, um, was talking to me about. Um, places like going to colonial Williamsburg and, mm -hmm. um, and she was working for a company that was, um, working on, I believe it was dorms at UVA. And she was talking about Monticello and how mm -hmm. she'd gone there. And I had just mentioned that I'd never been to uh, Monticello before. And she was just like, I can't believe how much you love history. And with all the stuff that, you know, uh, you know, teaching history and that you've never been to this place before. And she was like, well, that's, that's going to change. We're going to take care of this right now. And so we uh, arranged a trip. And one day we went to Monticello, which if you have not been, it is beautiful. I have um, been. And yeah, you, you rude. You've been there. Geldenmacher, you have not. Correct. That right? That's correct. Um, they uh, were talking about, uh, they have, a, I think it's called Mulberry Row, which is uh, yes. where, because you had Monticello, which is like the house, and then you had uh, the rows of um, housing for the slaves in various capacities. It was, it was a very um, self-sufficient uh, plantation, and which is something that I had never really thought about because, you know, you're thinking, well, okay, we need nails to you know, do horseshoes and all this kind of stuff. And you can't run down to your local ACE hardware and get some. Right. And it would take too long to try and order it from someplace and bring it in. So you would have people that were specifically there to do such things on the plantation. So it was very, very self-sufficient, very, very interesting. And uh, of course they uh, talked about Sally Hemings and uh, just the life of uh, slaves at the plantation. And the next day we went to um, Mount Vernon in, I believe, Alexandria, Virginia. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually and, Mount Ver uh, it's South Alexandria, but yeah. Okay, so um, but we uh, we were there. Beautiful, I mean, just the the site, you know, from the Potomac and uh, or mm -hmm. of the Potomac from there, and just being there, and you know, George Washington's home, and uh, well, of course, we went down and watched the changing of the wreath ceremony. 
at uh, the Washington, um, I guess, tomb, yeah. which was rebuilt, I believe, in the, I'm wanting to say it was the 1930s, 1920s, 1930s. Yeah, so um, the original tomb is actually off to the left. If you're coming down from the house, it's off to the left, and then, yeah, they rebuilt the tomb, and they moved the bodies into there. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was, right around there. It was, it was falling into con- some uh, considerable disrepair, so they, yes. they created a new kind of vault for the family and then removed everything. And plus people were breaking in and chiseling off parts of uh, Washington's casket as like yeah. mementos and that kind of stuff. Well, no, well, it gets better. So um, the changing of the wreath, I actually talked to one of the, um, one of the employees that was standing outside and I don't know if it's park. It's not, if it's, if it's like us park, it is uh, not park service or it, it is it's, own, okay. it's its own entity. It's owned by, it's like the, the, the George Washington women's society, something like that. Okay. Okay. Cause it, it looked like the uniform that this individual was wearing looked very much like the, you know, the park service. Yeah, no, but, it's, um, it's not park so, service. Okay. So, um, when you go to the vault, both Washington and his wife, their, uh, their sarcophagi, are um, in this little area, um, and then there's a little doorway that is inside the vault where the rest of the family is kept. And I had just noticed that usually, you know, if you're going to have them on display, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, intention, like a, a, a symmetry to how the bodies are placed. And this doesn't feel like that. And so I asked the uh, asked the gentleman about it. Now, now this is what he told me is that they had created these big stone uh, sarcophagi to put the caskets and the, the remains in. And then they, you know, they built the, the, the tomb and reinterred the bodies. But because of the stone uh, sarcophagi, they could no longer fit them into the entrance oh to take gosh. them and put them inside. So that's why technically they're still laying out and rude, maybe you know you've heard this, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is what the individual told me, and it was just basically like, well, they couldn't fit them in there, so yeah, they kind of just basically put them here for us to to take a oh look at. I'm thinking, <laughs> you would think of all the planning that you would have for the you know the first right. president, the most famous American you know in history, and you're like, oh yeah, we didn't really, we didn't, we didn't measure twice and cut once right. on this particular right. venture. <laughs> Right. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Uh, and and I, I confirmed it was 1837 that they moved him, um, not in, in the 1900s. Uh, so oh, was it? Not, oh, no, 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 that's right. Because by the time it was uh, – because I, I was thinking that in the 1930s it had been 100 years since they had done it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. Um, and just down the road or down the path from um, – the Washington uh, tomb is an area where they were excavating the bodies of uh, the slaves for uh, George Washington in Mount Vernon. They were there. uh, There were tarps over areas to kind of protect and whatnot. And they weren't, they weren't disturbing the bodies. They were just identifying where they were located and marking them. And there was like a little um, monument there. And when we were there, the, uh, someone came out and said, well, we're going to have a memorial service for the slaves uh, from Mount Vernon that are buried here in just a few minutes. And my wife and I were like, OK, well, yeah, let's let's sit here and do this. And uh, they asked if they needed uh, if there were anybody that was willing to participate 
um, in the service. And of course, you know, I'm raising my hand, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to take part in this because I mean, it's, it's Mount Vernon, it's honoring, you know, uh, the slaves that died here. Sure. So yeah, I wanted, so they gave me, um, uh, a little description of one of, uh, the enslaved that were there, um, who I believe had run away at one point. And I can't remember if this particular one had been captured or, um, if he had escaped, but it was basically, you know, we were all just telling stories. Now, the one thing that I did notice is that the changing of the uh, of the wreath at Washington's vault was very heavily. Um, uh, people did come to witness that, whereas there was not even a third that were witnessing the um, uh, the the ceremony honoring the enslaved. And um, and that, that always was something that kind of stuck uh, with me, but it was something that I felt was really, really important. And then fast forward like a couple of years and then I'm reading this article and this is kind of what I was, you know, hoping that, you know, we can talk about where um, there are apparently a lot of uh, people that are growing progressively upset when they go to these um, historic locations and having the concept or the the issue of slavery more or less, I guess, thrown in their face. Right. And hmm. it's like, you know, how, you know, I, you're, you know, kind of ruining this experience. We want to, you know, uh, imagine George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and these people. And why do you keep um, in some of the uh, and there were like reviews. They, they had posted reviews from like Yelp and other review things of people who had expressed a concern uh, for that. And I guess basically we could talk about why, um, what's going on. You know, this is obviously something that's relatively new where the, the enslaved narrative is being used more uh, at these historic locations and uh, just, and that, but yet coupled with that, you've got a demographic of individuals who aren't happy with it. And I'm just wondering what your guys' thoughts are. Sure. Uh, first thing first thing I would throw out there is, is is that really something that people Yelp review? Oh, absolutely. I just found that out. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I know a restaurant Yelp review, but... Well, no, you, you so, can actually uh, go and review, like, I, I did a tour of this place, mm -hmm. huh. and there yeah. was problems with X, Y, and Z, and in some cases, um, you do have, um, like, for example... Um, there's a place near where I live in North Carolina and it's called Stagville, which was, um, it was, uh, one of the larger plantation complexes in North Carolina, uh, by like 1860. Um, it had about 30,000 acres and was home to over 900 enslaved people. Mm-hmm. And um, there was but of all the reviews that they had, there were only two percent that were negative. But some of the ones that they talked about was one said, I brought my kids hoping they would get the same experience and was left thoroughly saddened by the direction this site has taken. The oh, atmosphere good. is one of bitterness and not the same as it once was. And um, another one said, hugely disappointing a chance to explore the history of a site ruined by a guide who avoided facts in favor of her political agenda. Ugh. And see, uh, yeah, she goes, 
Yeah, and this is, for example, quote, this is what the person wrote, the African-Americans were kidnapped by white slavers, end quote, and he says absolute nonsense. The unfortunate victims were probably captured by opposing tribes or Arab traders and sold to the agents of white farmers, and it just goes on to basically um, kind of attack that, like, okay, first of all, you're factually incorrect, and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, go ahead. there's so much to unpack and even that. But it, but it, I guess ultimately, I don't know. I, I, and I mentioned this off, you know, away from the show last week. I was listening to something and I didn't I didn't like the way they took liberties with the actual history of something. And I guess maybe mm-hmm. that's what the problem might stem from is that people get hypersensitive about details Mm. You know, because maybe they I mean, maybe it is factually maybe and I'm saying not saying it is, but maybe it is factually correct that they weren't kidnapped by whites and taken away. Um, Maybe not. But the end result is essentially the same, is it not? I mean, Mm -hmm. they still ended up here. They still worked here. Monticello is still a place where slaves lived. Um, And you could make the argument that they, you know, built the place. Uh, Um, Yeah. John Hemmings. Yeah, exactly. Um, Even the White House, for that matter, was built right. by slaves. So I think to I understand I, I could understand I, I I can I can understand like that hypersensitivity and wanting to wanting things to be factually correct, but I also very much understand the need to tell the stories of all the people that were involved in a certain place, and not just you know pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So here's here's what I'm looking was just put up on TripAdvisor. I, I'm uh, not going to I mean, I am to TripAdvisor what Jason Hatfield is to Wikipedia. And that is a big deal oh, for the love of God. <laughs> but this this is posted four days ago. The, the, the title of sure. the review is I wish staff would focus more on Thomas Jefferson and less. Uh, focus less on progressive politics. And it says, while there are many plantations in the USA, we visited this one because of Thomas Jefferson's accomplishments. Yes, plantations sadly used slaves, and no one in 2019 thinks slavery was a good idea. But the Monticello staff has chosen to aggressively, or aggress, uh, chosen to aggressive, a progressive okay, viewpoint by pushing slavery as too much of their focus. Victoria, our guide, evidently was not trained to understand that there is no DNA that has proven our former president was the father of Sally's children rather than one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Of the local relatives, perhaps being the father of Sally's youngest son. There is too much jumping on too many conclusions by the staff when the DNA in this case is based on guesses. I am sure Thomas Jefferson needed physical intimacy after he was widowed, and I am sure Sally preferred a white man since she was 75% European ancestry. Wait, are you, wait, wait, wait. This is uh, this person wrote this? It's still? on there. Go to You go to TripAdvisor. It's like the fifth one down on the reviews right now. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, particularly preferred TJ since national politicians have always been more worldly and charismatic than men who worked in fields. However, there's a very good chance Sally's children had more than one father since sex often led to pregnancy at that time. I wish the staff would focus more on Thomas Jefferson and less on the progressive politics. Um, oh, there's more. Hang on. No, Wait a minute. What, what I don't understand it's, it's is it, she's an idiot. Right. This person, she, right. he, I don't know who this is. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So I spent oh a week. Oh 
This one actually, I, I'm a little fired up after this one because it's, it's <laughs> oh, we're you, talking you about think? facts. This, this is flat wrong. I, so I spent a week at Monticello in a teacher institute last summer, um, and I quite frankly, this makes me want to get a hold of uh, Brandon um, Dillard, who is he's actually so the article that you mentioned. There's a picture mm-hmm. of two people at Monticello. He's the guy in the picture. Um, and he, he oh, wow. yeah, okay. I, I, I'm going to reach out to him and see if we can get him on to, to confirm <laughs> some of this stuff. Cause he knows his stuff, but let me tell you this. Number one, Sally Hemming, Hemming's father and Martha Jefferson or Martha, whatever she was before father, same guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically Sally Hemings. So there's oh, 75. She was 75% European ancestry. Yeah. Because she had one parent that wasn't the same as, Martha Jefferson. She she looked almost exactly like Martha. There's a reason mm-hmm. why Sally Hemings was the chosen one for him. And yes, it has been proven to a 99.5% that he is the father. Mm. It, it basically, the, 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 the DNA says it's either him, Thomas, or his brother. And the, here's the one thing about Thomas Jefferson. He was meticulous at keeping records of where he was and who, and also who was on his farm and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. If you go back right. and look at it, there is only one of those four kids where it could possibly have been anybody other than him because his brother mm-hmm. wasn't there. But I, guess who was in the farm right. at the time and of conception? I was going to ask you that, too, because I know I had read a story um, within the last week or so on the same subject, and it had talked about uh, Jefferson's brother. And I, and, and I genuinely don't know, so I was, I was, that was one of the questions I was going to bring up was I've, I've read that it could have been and could have been his brother. But thank you for clearing that up. Those kids, so the the, uh, the kids, the, the children of Sally Hemings were essentially seven-eighths white. In fact, all of them could pass for white. Two That's of them very white, easily right. did. And it's a little bit ironic. And you take this with what you want, but if you go back and look at the initial drafts of the Virginia whatever that they were going to have when they were forming like prior to the Declaration itself, I think. The Virginia uh, Declaration of Rights. That's the one. He puts yeah. in there. Right. That he wants to put in there that you are no longer a slave when you are, you, are, you will have the slave bred out of you, quote, uh, if you are seven eighths white. Hmm, hmm, that's just a little curious. <laughs> well, I mean, I was uh, reading uh, The Art of, I guess it was called The Art of Power by John Meacham, which is about, um, and I actually bought that book at Monticello. And one of the things that either he had said or that David McCullough had said in his um, biography of John Adams is that the fact that John Adams, or not John Adams, excuse me, uh, Thomas Jefferson had, um, you know, had had a child with his slaves, he said was probably one of the worst kept secrets. It was. Everybody knew. At that point. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I don't know. And that's, that's an interesting thing to take because, I mean, these people are so upset about the having to focus on something that was as crucial of a component of those plantations as sure. anything else could be. Right. And I don't understand why, unless it's just a, there was, um, um, there was a, a lady, let's see her, uh, Margaret Beiser, I believe she was writing for Vox. Uh, she was once a tour guide of, uh, one of these historic locations. I don't think she actually mentioned what it was. But she had uh, talked about being a guide, some of the questions and some of the comments that she'd gotten from individuals. And she kind of boiled it down to about five different things where people 
I guess they they misconstrue or uh, what have you. But like the first thing she says was that people think slaveholders took care of their slaves out of the goodness of their hearts rather than out of economic interest. Right. Mm. Um, that's one thing that she says. Another thing is that people know that field slavery was bad, but think household slavery was pretty all right, if not an outright sweet deal, which if you've ever read the Frederick Douglass autobiography, it's, I mean, it is better than being in the fields, but it's not a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination. Well, um, but you also have that. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Keep going. Uh, number three was that people think slavery and poverty are interchangeable. So people were saying, oh, yeah, well, slaves had it bad, but it wasn't any different from poor white farmers that were, you know, okay. uh, doing things at the same time. And then the other two were people don't understand how prejudice influenced slaveholders' actions beyond mere economic interests. And that also people think that loyalty is a fair term to apply to people held in bondage. For example, one person said, well, you know, they gave them food and gave them a place to live. So were they loyal? <laughs> so these are the kinds of things that, I mean, uh, when we did the event at um, Colonial Williamsburg, we had um, a, uh, a re uh, what was it? Uh, an interpreter mm -hmm. that did, uh, that was, um, oh my God, it's the names uh, in, that was uh, in the jail. Oh, 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 oh. Nat oh, Turner, oh, thank Nat you. Turner. Nat Turner, yes, thank you. That, mm -hmm. That was something that they did specifically for us, that it's not something that they typically do for the public because there was, you know, there's some unpacking with the Nat Turner story that they would have sure. to do because maybe a lot of people don't know that story. And I think that's ultimately one of the problems is that there are stories involving this that people aren't hearing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's, I mean, and I mean, it's, it's very crucial and I, I find it fascinating that people are getting offended by, you know, having that story be more and more told, I guess, or discussed. Well, I, I mean, I've got my theory on it, and I, I honestly, I think I got no fact to back it up, but I, I think I'm, I'm going, I think I'm going somewhere with this. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going anywhere with it, but you guys, you guys can tell me I'm full of crap. I don't care. <laughs> I'll I'll totally tell you. I know. You know that we would do that if any if we needed to. Exactly. I truly <laughs> right. I, only if we needed to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I truly believe that this happens. The, the The reason why you're seeing the pushback, the reason why you're seeing this, is because this the narrative narrative has been one sided and only told what people would want to hear uh, for so long, and we're to the point now where people are now he hearing a different side that goes and says, well, wait a second, this isn't black and white heroes and, and, and villains. This is really gray area. And some of this makes the, uh, the, the group that I'm a part of not look so good. And now they're confronted with their own reality and own, own oh, morality um, of, well, geez, maybe mm. everything I know isn't accurate. And, well, well wait a second – I, you know, and so you start getting the, the, the stories of, well, I had nothing to do with this. I didn't live 200 years ago and all the other ways to justify everything that's going on. Cause that, I mean, in that, that thing I just read, it was all justification, trying to justify all the bad stuff that happened and finding mm -hmm. ways that, well, it didn't actually happen. You're for, I, I really think people are forced to face their own reality and morality. 
I, I think hmm. I think a lot of people tend to to, to feel that um, to try and bring up the dirty laundry of the United States of our history is somehow dogging on right the the country. And I mean, people probably say, well, look at the legislation that took place. Like, you know, we did the 13th Amendment. We mm -hmm. did the, you know, the 14th uh, Amendment. We did the Emancipation Proclamation. But yet, you know, on the flip side, you are also talking about the, you know, um, Dred Scott decision. Right. So which mm -hmm. is like, you know, that is also legislation that actually was detrimental in which um, an, a, a slave was uh, basically taken into a free territory. And then um, I think his, his uh, owner had uh, passed away and he was basically suing for his freedom, if I'm correct, sure. saying, Dred I've Scott been was... in a free territory yes. and you can't be a slave in a free territory. So technically I should be free. Correct. And it went all the way right. to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court basically said, well, you are actually property and therefore you can't even bring up a lawsuit to begin with. Right. Sure. Uh, let me jump in here because this is a good place to jump in um we have a site here in st louis uh it is our what we call the old courthouse um and it was the site of the first two dred scott cases in 1847 and mm. 1850 um this site is a little bit different to where while yes it was a working courthouse uh yes it's you know a museum today it's most famous not for the white family that lived there it was it's most famous for the dred scott case um so that's there's no other interpretation to be had other than this is exactly what happened here um you know, what do you mean no, the people the, what do you mean the people that lived there it's it was a, it's I, a courthouse I mean, like mean no, no no meaning like as opposed to like a, a plantation it's, oh, this, oh, okay. this is the only thing that is uh, not the only thing, but this is the most significant thing that's happened here. There is no other story to tell. You know, this is this is where Dred Scott started. Um, so in this one location, at least, um, there is no alternative story, alternative story. This this is what you get. Um, and that's and it's you know, there's no there's no shake in that. That's it happened here. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, there's yeah. no other. Oh, that you know, it it didn't happen the way you think it did. No, this this is what well, happened. I, but you know, well, in in terms of that, I mean, obviously that's important. But I think when we get to like you talk about the Monticello and and Mount Vernon, where people want to sit there and say, "Wow, I'm walking around where Thomas Jefferson walked, or I'm walking in the fields where George Washington rode his horses," and then all of a sudden it's like, um, oh, but there's also this huge component of slavery that took place. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. And I think there's this belief of, I mean, you take a look at some of these and there seems to be a large amount of guilt that people have oh, that it seems like they're being redirected into, okay, enough already. Right. And mm -hmm. I, it's, you know, and it's, it's confusing because I mean, this, it, it's, it, this is important to tell. And I think that uh, one of the articles that I'd read had mentioned that um, this is something that has alienated a number of, uh, you know, a demographic, a demographic of our society um, whose story has not been told. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, let's, let's take a look at this big picture, the great man theory, where we're following like the very powerful, wealthy individual who made changes but let's, you know, and let's not let's not talk about the, you know, the, the dirty, dark stuff that took place. 
and let me articulate and like, oh, like it didn't happen and it did let me articulate better i think what i'm trying to say with what i said before it's not so much that you have to I, I, to accept what happened as part of your past it is the fact that bringing this up now makes you makes those that have been in i'm going to call it the privileged class and i'm sure someone's going to rake me over the coals for that at some point and that's fine but those that have been in the class of people that have had their to- story told have to admit that there's something going on there where maybe that wasn't the case. You know, you know what I mean? It it, it forces you to admit that there is racial tension still and that we are not living in a a country that has solved that problem stretching back to 1865 and 1619. That's what Mm. I think. No, that's fair. Mm. And if I'm wrong, feel free to um, tell me. There was, um, um, it's it's just like um, I was looking at an article from the Washington Post and they were talking about how approximately 12.5 million human beings were kidnapped from their homes in Africa and shipped to the New World. Now, most of those did wind up going to Central and South America, mm-hmm. but you're still thinking and there's a new book that came out called Barracoon, which is um, a story that a woman, I think, went down in the 1930s and interviewed basically what is considered to be the last slave brought in on a boat from africa and this was in the eight this was 18 i want to say i need to i need to double check it again but it was just published i think within the past couple years and he was smuggled in i believe into alabama um after the you know the importation of slaves was uh outlawed And um, so and he does, I believe, talk about how, you know, he was taken captive and you have a slave group that or you have a one tribe that sold them to uh, European, you know, slavers. So, yeah, I mean, there was some stuff that was taking place in Africa that doesn't change the fact that they were still brought over. But I'm I was saying that approximately 12.5, 12.5 million people right now. The state of North Carolina's population is 10.38 million. Mm -hmm. And I believe for Iowa, it's 3.156. And for Missouri, it's uh, 6.126 million. Population? Mm -hmm. So, your population. Yeah, you're pretty close. I was going to fact check that, but you were pretty darn close. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it's if I'm completely wrong, but no, you're right. and you're thinking that, you know, it's close to North Carolina. It will definitely more than, you know, Iowa and Missouri put together. Right. And that's just, you know, and that's the thing is, that's important. And the fact that the story hasn't been told, I mean, it needs to be now it needs to be factual, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it needs to like, you know, Colonial Williamsburg, one of the days that we were there, we had. Um, a lar, you know, we had a, a lady come and talk to us about that, and she had a lot of uh, very interesting and poignant facts that she was telling us about it. Of course, we learned about John Punch mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. But um, it's for people to be to feel like they're going they're they're going to like Disney World and not wanting to have part of that story being told in some way. Just it's. I, I mean, I guess as a historian, it's like well, you're leaving out a chunk of the uh, the story, and that doesn't make sure. sense to me. But when you go to Disney World, they only tell you that part of the story. 
And and so <laughs> seriously, I I there's I think there's potentially some effect there. You go to you go to Disney World, you go to Epcot Center, which you were at. Uh, and they tell you the story of the, you know, they've got a, a thing on the 13 colonies. They're not talking about the dark side of it. They're talking about the Liberty Tree. They're talking about uh, the founders and, and writing the Declaration of Independence and, and the, uh, all the framing that goes on um, and whatnot. They're not talking about the deep, dark stuff because that doesn't make people happy. And I think um, this <laughs> would be a very... Uh, good place for us to uh to pause yeah I need and to uh and, and take and kind of take a step back and uh take a break and come back sounds, sounds good. good we'll do that we'll be back with more history brothers right after their history bros sorry right after this <clears throat> all right the good news is i was able to take a deep breath and uh drink a diet coke <laughs> sorry diet pepsi um and i calmed down uh hopefully you uh, the other two here are, are calm brian and, and hatfield are calm people. I, I, wow. Um, if there ever I, was, I have to say that's the closest I've ever seen Jason Rude turn into the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say if I wore oh, panties, no. they would have been in a wad. But anyway, I mean, oh, that's too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but to, to piggyback off of something you said earlier, it, it, it does, it does make you think. I mean, where, what do you think history is? It's not beautiful it's not fantastic do you think that if you go to a plantation that there weren't slaves i mean do you think that it was just oh i had a bunch of kids and now they're all white kids and i made them work no that's not what happened yeah exactly i I don't understand this this need for some what we know now is an alternative view of history that's not what happened there were slaves here And and that's true. And I think that they do need to sort of add context to it. um, Sure. Right. To a degree. Like, for example, there's um, Samuel Cartwright wrote, uh, Dr. Samuel Cartwright in the 1850s had written this uh, document that was called The Diseases and Peculiarities of the Negro Race. And it was something that basically was saying, uh, these slaves need to be slaves because otherwise they will develop. If you treat them too well, they will want to run away. If you treat them too poorly, they'll want to run away. So you need to treat them just bad enough. <laughs> and these are things that you're kind of like, you're thinking, do these people really believe that at that time? I mean, because there are some people that probably that didn't know one way or the other. And so this is probably going to make them feel better <sighs> about owning Awful. these individuals. But it does kind of it, it's kind of like what we were talking about with conspiracies uh, last week, where it's like, how much of this do these people actually really believe and how much is it to uh, to achieve some sort of agenda? Well, and, oh, and so I've had some experience with that, to be honest with you. Um, I, I've been across okay. the country uh, with some different. Well, not a, mostly eastern part of the country, um, you know, and, and to historic sites. And uh, I've been around some people who they're pushing that, that are exactly the people we're talking about that push back. And the conversations I got baited into, you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, what was being said is racist, but it's not like it's not like you come out and, and using the N word and, uh, you know, lynching and all that. Wait, kind wait, of wait, wait. What's been, what's being racist? The the pushback or the argument? The push the arguments that are being used on the pushback is is very racist 
it what it, it, it you know it, it's not the 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 bold it's the type where you got to lead them back through it and if you start looking at well hang on you're upset because people well because blacks in this case in the case that I was dealing with because blacks were being either put on a pedestal or being put ahead of 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 whites in the arguments that I was hearing and it it that's that's racism as far as I'm mm. concerned, you know, complaining about open casting. Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, okay. So there was that. There was, um, uh, I did notice in, uh, at Colonial Williamsburg, they were doing shows where it was basically following, I, I would, I don't know if Williamsburg did this first or if it's sort of following the Hamilton lead where it's considered colorblind casting where you are having, you know, people of color play traditionally white characters right and i mean and i don't yeah that's that's a well the argument was very clear though let's be clear for a moment we're i mean it's it's one thing to say we're going to open cast for um how 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 should i phrase this they're not Uh uh-oh Thomas Jefferson. Or- we lost you there for a little Wait, bit. Wait, could you repeat that? You kind of we lo- we lost you for oh. a second. Thing that they're open casting and- for Jefferson or Washington, correct? Um. Well, they just, were open. Well, they were. I mean, well, for Hamilton, yes, Hamilton. No, no, no. It, like Williamsburg. They, oh yeah, not, considered- we're not not for the interpreter positions. We're talking about the people that were playing roles. Like the King of England was played by a white right. female. Okay, I gotcha. So some of the. And even then, it's it almost sounds like you're saying, "Oh, well, that's okay," but in some of like the ensemble things where uh, there were multiple characters being played by multiple people, yeah, they, that's open. This is going to sound terrible. I I completely understand and I completely accept that. I would you have an issue with someone of color playing George Washington, for example? Because I, because I could honestly see where some people would have an issue with that. Yeah, I well, can see. if it's, I mean, I guess, I guess if it's, I understand the position of wanting to give people of, like it, it, having done theater for the number of years I've had. There's frustration in the community uh, with people of color that they are only cast as like uh, the field hands or the oh, butlers sure. or, sure. you know, something along those lines that there's nothing of any sure. uh, non-stereotyped opportunity. And so to have them have this opportunity where they are playing, you know, George Washington and they mm-hmm. are playing Thomas Jefferson and they're doing it in a, in a route like that, I think is, is important but to say that, you know, it's colorblind casting when, you know, it's like you're you're not you're specifically not casting uh, white people in these particular roles. Um, I mean, I, I understand the position of needing to to give people of color more opportunities that aren't stereotyped. Sure. And, no, no, and, no, I and, and, and I can get that. And for people to get upset about giving those opportunities when again you don't have how, how how to put this you don't have the experience 
of, oh, well, you know, you're only going to be cast as this particular person. Right. Like I remember when I was starting, uh, sure. uh, I went to Western Carolina University for my undergrad and I was trying to pursue theater and I had a very thick Southern, Southern accent from where I grew up. And it, I had to work to try and get some of that uh, filtered out because I would be stereotyped as the a hick of some mm. stupid backwoods hillbilly. Right. Gotcha. So, but yeah, but to have, you know, those, but to have those opportunities to give people a chance to step outside of what main or mainstream uh, theatrical companies or whatnot are going to keep going back to. I mean, I, I yeah. think it is important, and I, I think it's I think it's an interesting casting choice. And, and to be fair, I did not articulate what I was trying to say there very well, as is par for course for me usually when I get fired up. Okay. So I apologize for that. Um, you know, and 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 maybe I'm changing the subject here. Uh, I just had a thought. Uh, there was something else that was said, and, and this goes along the same vein. It was the argument was, well, the, the this person was upset that that. The sites were referring to these people as enslaved people. He said, well, no, 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 they're, they're slaves. That's what they are. And I think that's what you're getting at is the whole typecasting somebody of color just because in a historical role, that's all they could be because mm -hmm. that's what our country did. Um, See, and basically saying they are that, you know, somebody is that based on, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm rambling. No, 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 no. I, I think there's val validity to what you're saying. Um, I would tell you that the difference between enslaved and slave to me is that the word enslaved means that someone else put them there. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like it wasn't done by choice. They. Uh, this is my job. I'm a slave. No, that's it, when we refer to someone as as enslaved. It was done unto them. Right. It's, it's right. the condition, not the person. Um, Right. A guide um, um, in another article that I read named David Ronca from Monticello had mm. explained it like slave, quote, is a noun. Yes. Um, right. right. And that enslaved is a condition. Mm. Right. Um, and it's a way to talk about people defined by more than their bondage. But oh, um, like uh, another individual, uh, Tim Wise, had uh, he had written a piece that said that there's an old saying that it's hard to know what you don't know. Uh, and the premise being that when you're ignorant about something, you aren't likely to realize your blind spots. Right. <laughs> and I think that's and, probably what frustrated me more than anything in the conversations that I got into, because it's like you probably the person probably isn't truly racist, but they don't understand that there's a blind spot. and They're not they're not understanding. Well, I mean, there's a frustration if you feel like you're, I mean, with anybody, if you're feeling like, okay, well, you know, I feel like they're ganging up on me because I'm white. Right. And, you know, I didn't own slaves. And in some cases, maybe the families, because some of the, the, the Yelp reviews that I read, people were like, you know, I was an, you know, my parents were immigrants or grandparents were immigrants and they never owned slaves. Sure. And yet I felt personally attacked. But, you know, again, you know, not being there at the situation or in that time, um, you know, I don't know if the person is projecting a guilt or if the individuals did kind of give them snide looks or whatever. And I mean, it just what it does show mm -hmm. is that there's a large impact still that we are dealing with in this country that ties all the way back to 1619. Right. Where, sure. you know, you have you know, these enslaved people. That's that's always been one of those things that has kind of stuck with me, too, as when we talk about 
Hatfield, exactly what you just said. My ancestors came. My ancestors at the earliest came over in the 1840s and fought for the Union. So, am I supposed to just because I am your of European descent supposed to supposed to feel a certain way? Am I supposed to act a certain way? You know what I mean? I mean, it's it, I feel I almost feel like I should feel a certain way, but then I don't. And does that make me a bad person? Well, I, I also well, I also think that you know, I, I don't think that they're just throwing blame on white people in general. I think in sure. some cases people are saying, "Well, you know, I'm white, so I guess they're talking about me." Right. And you know, and I think that might be a little bit of um, it's kind of like with you know when you have the Black Lives Matter movement, and then you have people coming up and saying, "Well, you know, don't all lives matter?" It's kind of like, "Well, yeah, we're also saying that all cancer sucks." But we're talking about one specific cancer at this particular time. Right, right. And I think some people just, you know, and I, I think some people just have a defensive reaction because they don't want to be lumped into a category. And so they get there's a defensive, angry reaction to that. And it's got, you know, it may not have anything to do with them. That being said, it doesn't mean that the story doesn't need to be told. Right. It absolutely sure. needs sure. to be told. Well, here's the thing that you have to consider, and this is where, you know, I, my family came, my immigrant family came after mm -hmm. the Civil War. Um, there you go. But I'll tell you, I, I live a life that uh, the, uh, most of what uh, I benefit from occurred long before I live. And it's not that I'm actively trying to um, continue the uh the imbalance of power that existed for years but i've been a benefactor of it and i'm not again i'm not saying that i go out and actively do that but it's more the fact that i think people don't want to acknowledge that it exists that's what i think what the bene benefiting that, from that there's the an, institutionalized aspects yes yeah, sure yeah that makes sense okay can, well and well and okay since we're talking about you know family histories I had family that fought in the revolution and uh, both sides of my family, from what I can understand, fought for the Confederacy. Right. And that's, you know, and to my understanding, I don't think that any of my relatives were um, wealthy enough to possibly own or rent slaves, but yet why they decided to fight or champion that cause. I don't understand. Right. I still do not take offense to this because this is still to to try and imagine that it didn't happen doesn't make it not have happened right right and we have a great amount of uh uh blowback from that that we're dealing with today and it's it's i mean you look at what happened in charlottesville where you know people were wanting to take down even in durham you had it was very well publicized people went downtown and tore down this uh, confederate war memorial and it's like you know it's it's still something that's very divisive in this country and it's something that we need to all be able to take a step back and say okay okay let's all approach this together and take the good and the bad in this i mean obviously there's a lot of bad and i can't really say that I mean, there is good because you had people that rose up against it, and we now oh, sure. don't have slavery. But um, but there's there's a communication, there's a dialogue involving this that needs to be done, and usually the individuals that try and bring that to the forefront wind up being assassinated. 
That's true. <laughs> what, I, Hatfield, why can't I talk as well as you do? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> my What's Lord. he that oh, wishes man. so? My cousin Westmoreland. Oh, God. oh my lord! No, fair cousin, for if we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country loss. See, I told you, I did. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing is, I come on here and sound like a rambling, angry dude, and it's yeah, you actually make sense of it. So I appreciate you coming. No, my for me. no, no, no. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is that I mean, you're expressing the way that you know that you're thinking and you're feeling. And, well, right. But... I mean, that's I don't you know. It also makes it sound like I'm I'm angry at everybody, <laughs> and I'm not. Well, this is a very this is still a very emotional situation that we are still dealing with. Absolutely, and and to 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 have a group of people that don't want to talk about it isn't going yeah, to change it. And that's right. the most frustrating part is you see these folks. I mean. The, you know, it's it's the it's the stick your chest out guy and get all offended because God forbid we talk about slavery. Well, it, dude, again, it happened. Right. Do you not want us to address this significant portion of American history? I don't. I don't it's get like, it. It's like we've all had that really bad relationship. Right. <laughs> right. Just I, because you try and forget it doesn't mean it never happened. So yeah, then, I mean, then you're turning pages in the photo album. Oh, there she is. God, I didn't want to have to see her face again. But yeah, it's like that. <laughs> well, I mean, to a degree, except you know, without twelve point five million enslaved people. But you know, but but the but the point is, is that the history doesn't change just because you try to ignore it. And that's right. another thing that when we start talking about it, when we talk about you know confederate war memorials uh whether you're for them or against them and i have my own very strong uh feelings towards them to have those things you know it, you know to have them there or to not have them there does not mean that the event itself didn't happen but yeah. to try and make them like i don't know go away could also be considered also a handicap because we need to remember this stuff so that we don't do this stuff. Now, to glorify them, no. that may be another right. uh, another argument. But um, I think I have know. differing opinions on that uh, from a from a human aspect and like the historian aspect. I have two very different views, mm. which is, I mean, you know, we, I mean, we could do a whole other episode on on Confederate memorials or whatever. I think we should. Yeah, I think, I yeah, think, yeah, we, I think should. we should. Um, absolutely, we should. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I really think we should look into getting somebody who deals with this on a regular basis. Get, I'm going to reach out to uh, my buddy Brandon at Monticello if that's okay with you guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and, I have a problem with that. Oh uh, well, no, of course I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> Go ahead and do what, are you, what are you asking me for? I know, I know, but I, I just, I really think he could bring some insight to us. Uh, to to this conversation, having been there, lived it, done it, um, and, and obviously in his position, he, like he's introduced as this is the guy who deals with a really hard history. His job, yeah, is, yeah you know. So I mean, it it literally is what he deals with. Um, so hopefully, I, I know that uh, I was talking to some other staff out there. They said that he in particular has been extremely busy since the uh, the Washington Post article came out. Um, but I'm going to reach out and see if we can't get him and. Uh, you know, that'd be bring awesome. his. Yeah, he, I think he's got some insights. Again, it'll be a third person who can articulate their thoughts uh, along with YouTube, um, and then it'll just be, be be me over here. You know, throwing stuff up in the air, saying, "Hey, what's going to happen now?" 
Well, but, uh, but I mean, he, when you're trying to educate, I mean, people are coming there because one, they want the experience of being in, inhabiting the position, the, 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 space, the location. The space, yes. And yeah, well, this person really lived here. Jefferson died in this room. Washington died in this room. But these were plantations. Right. right. I mean, it's like you can't get upset that they're going to talk about slavery at a plantation because that's part of it. And for people to get like indignant about, you know, I can't believe that they're wanting to dwell on this negative aspect of history. Well, I hate to tell you, Buster, but there's a lot of it in our past. Did, Did you know there were slaves on plantations? Shut Heaven up. forbid. What? Yeah. Surely not. And fake did, news. Fake news. Oh, and did, did you know <laughs> that it 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 wasn't all it was cracked up to be being an enslaved person? What? Yeah. First of all, what is cracked up to be? What? I mean, when you're when <laughs> you're I mean yeah, on yeah, I mean it, <laughs> I have never heard someone go, God, those slaves, they really had it. They had it going on. Yeah. Man. I mean, if only, I mean, I wish I could be. I mean, Frederick Douglass in his autobiography, he talks about just, you know, growing up as a child, how they were treated basically like, you know, a, you know, puppies. They're taken away from their mother, raised by mm-hmm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. They're given, you know, X amount of uh, rations and food for the week or um, their clothing for the year. And the fact that they were treated with such, I mean, like, you know, the Dred Scott decision, you are property. You are not a person. Yeah. 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 Right. I and go- for me and for those of us in 2019, that's difficult to wrap our brains around because, I mean, we've had, you know, the hundred plus years afterwards with, you know, Martin Luther King and even Malcolm X and all these other people that came up in in response to that. And it's difficult for us to really fathom that that mentality was justified back then. And I think that's that's an issue that uh, another thing that we have to fight through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I go back to the the um, the Monticello review I read from that person where they said, quote, uh, where is it here? I just had it um, said, quote, uh, yes, sadly, plantations use slaves and no one in 2019 thinks slavery was a good idea. That's that's code for saying, yeah, we get it. It happened, but don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Uh, that's even worse. Just what not talk? What not talking about <laughs> it at all? Not yeah. talk about it. Come on. Yeah, well, that, that'll uh, make it go away. That's like that's like saying, what are those buildings over there? Ah, oh, don't worry about that. Let's look over here. You know. Well, there, you know, there's a documentary with Morgan Freeman, um, and it's called The Last White Knight, and it talks. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating, but they interview Morgan Freeman in it and you know he talks about they talk about racism in it mm-hmm. and he actually says the way to get past it is to just not talk about it not keep bringing it up yeah hmm. and um it's it's an interesting perspective not necessarily one that I subscribe to but um there was one more quote from this article that I wanted to share that said that uh, for those who may prefer a fuzzier less accurate portrayal of plantation life Gone with the Wind is streaming on Amazon and iTunes for $3.99. Yeah. A low price, but still higher than the average slave's wage, which was zero. Right. Truth. Here's another comment from one. I'll just read the last part of it. Anyone seeking to learn about the true historical facts of Jefferson and his life will be better served to research history books before they are rewritten. 
Oh boy. What do you think you're going to find in those history uh, books? Well, right that's the thing. They 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 gloss over right now. They, exactly. You're going to find the stuff you want to hear before it's rewritten to include the stuff that also happened. That's, oh, the, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's glossed over cuz uh, even um even the uh the 1619 stuff. I um I created some slideshows for a couple classes last a couple this is going back 2 or 3 years now. And I, I revisited them just because we were talking about it. And it was based on a textbook that we were using at the time. And uh, it, it, it glosses right the heck over it, man. And it talks about the first slaves arriving, but it doesn't talk about anything else after that. You know, the circumstances or it just says this is about the same time slaves arrived. Yep. So <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, exactly. We, let's not talk about it. Yeah. <sighs> Guys, I my blood pressure's up. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I think I, I might have to call it here. We can come back to it, but uh, <laughs> yep. I might have to call it. I this think we can retouch on. Yeah, I think that we should uh, we should sort of uh, extend this so that we can give you double the damage uh, for your blood pressure for next week. <laughs> well, it might you know it may uh, cut back on my it may you know make me less hungry, so I'll eat less. So that would help too. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going with that. I'm stick. Here's your snurf, snurf, snurf. Just Use your words. Use your words. <laughs> what did I just say? To, I have. I, I lack execution I of the English language. That's why I I'm really jealous. thought you were having a stroke just then. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sorry, well, you know guys. The left side of my face is drooping on that bit. <laughs> Well, why don't we why don't we go ahead and stick a pin in this today? All right. Let's um, do instead of having uh you know uh you know something that would rival Ben Hur in th- <laughs> this particular situation in the future. Is, is yeah, and let's you know let's let's come back, circle our wagons, and yep. uh, try and find out how better uh, we can sweep this under the rug and only focus <laughs> on the positive things right. about U.S. history. Yeah, because that's totally what we're about. I mean, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, good, good deal. Yeah, let, let, we can do that. And uh, I look forward to that conversation. And I'll try to be a little more articulate, or if nothing else, at least have coherent sentences of something. We're here for you. We're here for support. I appreciate that. Doing. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on the History Bros Pod. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, I'm going to defer to Brian. <laughs> History Bros Pod at History Bros Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, check us out. We're uh, we got some exciting things coming up. We are at five hundred and seventy-four total listens in about a month's time, guys. We're got some good stuff, folks. If you're listening, help us out. Get us a, a good uh, five-star review, whether you like it or not. I don't care. Just give us five stars. Yeah, <laughs> like it, share it, tell your friends about it. Uh, go to your schools and tell people to listen to them to us because you know <laughs> I, I I'm motivated by fame. What can I say? Yeah, tell your friends, please. Tell a friend. Absolutely. And really, and I mean, listen to this stuff. And if you have questions or if you have like ideas of where you know, uh, other aspects of history that you want us to talk about or to uh, continue down certain avenues that we've talked about, then hit us up on social media and say, you know, sure. I really liked what you talked about concerning this. Can you elaborate on it? And we will yeah, have absolutely. we'll have Rude try to come up here and muddy it up as best as he can. <laughs> I will yeah, do my best. You know it. And if you don't like what I said, because I'm sure there's people that are saying, oh, my God, he's an idiot. You're not far off. Put that out there. We'll deal with it. Uh, we may tell you you're wrong, but, you know, that's what we do. But, yeah, okay, see, I muddied it up again. See what I'm talking about? Hatfield, I need Fine. lessons. 
we're we're coming at this from you know three different perspectives, three different parts of uh, you know of the country. But you know, history is something that we all uh, are very passionate about, and so we're coming at it from uh, an educated point of view. But other people out there, I know that we have some listeners that have a considerable background in history, mm-hmm. and you guys have other you know insights, and we would definitely love to hear those. See, sure. look at how well he did with the words. Why can't I do that? You think I was the sportscaster? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Shot guys. across the bow. Shot across the bow, Rude. Oh, oh, you're you're taking a shot because oh, I, yeah, God. my broadcast. Oh, yeah, no. That's right. Because I'm a yeah. Once again, another uh, Lord of the Rings: uh, Return of the King. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, I yeah, you're right. Sadly, I my broadcast. Yeah, yeah, we need to go ahead and wrap this up so that uh, yep. we can kind of uh, come back and uh, and kind of expand more on this uh, next week. So, um, uh, Rude, you want to go ahead and sign us off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the History Bros, that would be Jason Hatfield. That would be Brian Geldmacher. That would be me, Jason Rude. We appreciate you joining us. We look forward to talking to you uh, next week. Have a good one, guys. See ya. <laughs> what? That was my four-year-old. <laughs> I, I think you're up, Hatfield. I I thought I said something. I was what was I, I what was, was someone on helium? Was that something that was? It was his four-year-old. Was my daughter making her podcast debut. Oh. <laughs> that, that is awesome. And with that, I will say this: Yeah, deuces, don't you know there? <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you later.